You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. And welcome to Women at Warp, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Join us on our continuing mission to explore intersectional diversity in infinite combinations. My name is Grace, and thanks for tuning in. With me today are Jera. Yay. Sarah. Hi. Andy. Hello. And Sue. Hi, diddly ho. <laughs> Today's episode is the live to tape recording of the session we presented at the first ever IDIC Podcast Festival last weekend. But before we hit play, we have a few important housekeeping items. First, our show and the IDIC Podcast Festival are made possible by our patrons on Patreon. Our patron is great. We love it. We love getting to have people supporting us. It feels so good to have that kind of love and support. Um, if you've ever been thinking about supporting us on Patreon, now is the perfect time. Everyone at the Warp 5 tier or higher on August 1st will have all of our 2021 convention swag automatically sent to them. This year, that means the first ever Women at Warp embroidered patch, plus some other fun little goodies. There are some great year-round patron rewards like watch-alongs, casual non-Star Trek podcast episodes, shout-outs, and to check that all out, find out more at patreon.com forward slash Women at Warp. And that all brings us to convention appearances this year. Newsflash, we will not be attending Creation's 55-year mission tour in Las Vegas or the convention formerly known as STLV. However, you'll be able to find our crew at other conventions this fall, including I will be at Dragon Con, Grace and Sarah will be at Rose City Comic Con in Portland, Oregon, Kennedy and I will be at the Sci-Fi Summit in Edison, New Jersey, and I again will be at New York Comic Con in New York City. Next up, Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery is now on Blu-ray, DVD, and limited edition Steelbook. The must-have collection features all 13 episodes and also includes over two hours of special features, including deleted scenes, behind-the-scenes featurettes, cast interviews, and a gag reel. Own Star Trek Discovery Season 3 on Blu-ray and DVD now from CBS and Paramount Home Entertainment. And we have five copies of the DVD set to give away. Keep listening to find out how to enter. And finally, this episode is brought to you by Text Expander. More from them later as well. Now on to today's panel recording. You may remember that back this past winter, Sarah wrote a blog post highlighting some notable Star Trek podcasts hosted by and run by people from historically excluded groups, diverse communities. From that blog post came the idea to host a virtual podcast festival highlighting the infinite diversity of the Star Trek and sci-fi podcasting universe. So the IDIC Podcast Festival was held July 17th and 18th. Um, it was so great. We talked lots about it. That was a really good time. You can watch all the videos from the 16 different podcasts, including our own, on our Facebook and YouTube channels, facebook.com slash women at warp and youtube.com slash women at warp. And uh, so if you watch our closing from that, you can We'll recap the whole thing in our highlights for you. Um, but for now, I'll just say that it was amazing. And today we're so pleased to share with you the audio from our session, Building an Inclusive Podcast Community, in which we share some of our show's history, what we consider our successes and failures, and tips for anyone looking to create idic-friendly online or podcast spaces. And don't forget, instructions on how to enter the Discovery Season 3 DVD giveaway will be in there somewhere as well. 
Hello, Hello and welcome to Women at Warp, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Join us on our continuing mission to explore intersectional diversity and infinite combinations. My name is Aliza, and with me today are, let's go uh, uh, right, uh, left to right in the <laughs> rows. So Sarah, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm from Portland, Oregon, and I am one of the newer members of Women at Warp. Hi, I'm Sue. I'm one of the originals. Let's go down. I'm Grace. I'm one of the original, boring, bland ones. <laughs> Are we going Impossible. <laughs> We're going middle. Hi, I'm Andy. That's Hi, I'm Jarrah. I'm just going to jump in. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Kennedy. All right. All right. And, and as you can see, we are a feat of organizational skill and working together like a Swiss watch at all times. Mm -hmm. I mean, so it's been a long but very fulfilling day so far, um, yeah. but uh, where it's going to suffer is the figuring out who speaks next. <laughs> that said, we are so thrilled to be bringing you the IDIC Podcast Festival this week in the spirit of this event, which is all about promoting diversity in Star Trek podcasting. We want Ooh. to use our time to talk about the lessons we've learned over the past six years, the ways that we've tried to showcase diverse perspectives and successes and the missteps we've made along the way. It's been a long road getting from there to here, and we want to share that journey with you. She just went out of frame, but add a cat to the cat count. <laughs> Ooh, on it. <laughs> if you're thinking of starting your own idic friendly podcast and you have questions for the crew, you can add them in the comments on the Facebook or YouTube live stream, and we'll try to make time to answer them at the end of our time. Lovely, lovely. And um, I will be the official uh, question asker, but of course, anyone can uh, jump in as needed. And I will keep an eye also out on the Facebook and YouTube for questions. So make sure to put your questions in the chat. And to kick us off first, I would like to know, how did Women at Warp get started? Um, and then there's a secondary question to that. What's one piece of practical advice you would have for other people starting their podcasts? So if we're talking about the genesis of Women at Warp, basically, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. way back in the day, gosh, I don't even know how long ago now, um, I was Before on a time immemorial. <laughs> I was on a podcast with Sue, and we were guests on Grace's podcast, which was called All Things Trek. Yep. Yes. And we were on a podcast together. And Jera was on a separate podcast, but we were all guests on All Things Trek together. So they were basically the only women that I had noticed podcasting. And I was like, you know what? I kind of want to do my own podcast. Because at that point, I had been asked to come and guest on podcasts, which is really fun. And I highly recommend it for people when they're first starting out, especially if you just want to get started by trying it out nothing better than guesting and hey you should probably guest on our podcast just saying um and I, I just sent them all an email i literally just sent them all an email to all of them and was like 
do you want to do a feminist Star Trek podcast with me? And they were like, okay. And then we did. <laughs> and I think people had the idea that we were like BFF forever. When we started that pot, I barely knew these women, barely mm-hmm. knew them. I had never talked to Jira when I sent her that email. I just was like, this woman seems like she's cool and that she's got a good vibe. I'm going to re- I don't know how, like it really came together very quickly. But we did not know each other. And you can even, if you go back and listen to the very beginning of our podcast, you can hear us like learning each other's vibe and like Mm -hmm. learning about each other and becoming friends because I think there's a misconception that we were good friends and we were not. So we basically just were like, we like to talk about Star Trek. Let's talk about Star Trek. And that is how Women at Warp started. If we weren't friends to begin with, then who are those three girls I grew up with and knew <laughs> from early on. Well, Andy, oh. you said it came together quickly, but I just, like, I remember how quickly, because I think our first meeting together was, like, e- e-meeting, of course, was either around Thanksgiving or Christmas, because I know for a fact that I was at my parents' house, and that's the only reason I would have been there. <laughs> And we had released our first episodes, I think, in March or May. So about six months for everything to come together, which is pretty fast. And we actually... We actually posted our first episode way earlier than we'd planned to because the reaction on Facebook was extremely like, okay, but where's the podcast, though? But where is it? Once we we clicked a name, we went and we grabbed the Facebook page and the Twitter handle so that nobody else could. And we didn't promote it at all. We didn't put it out there. We didn't even put a description up. And we had, like, 250 likes with doing nothing, and people were asking for a podcast. I think what it says about what we were doing is that people were thirsty. (laughs) And that we had like identified this gap in podcasting about Star Trek because people were so excited and we had nothing to show them to get them excited. (laughs) We're just like, we're women and we're going to talk about Star Trek. And everyone was like, yes, more. Oh, it's not going to be a bunch of white bros being like, seven of nine. (laughs) (laughs) That alone was enough to get people interested. Who would have thought? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, clearly you had like tapped into this this piece of Star Trek podcastness that was missing. Yes. Um, and also, I wanted to point out on YouTube, Susan Thiem. Sorry, I might be mispronouncing your last name. Says your chemistry was amazing from the beginning, though. Oh. So, uh, yeah, I must tell you that I have re-listened to our early episodes a couple of times now for various projects that we've done. And I have to tell you, the one that I think where it all really clicked and came together was Wolf in the Fold. Mm. Wolf mm-hmm. in the Fold art was- So much to talk about there. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it was like our fourth podcast and it has all of the classic Women at War brands, Grace's mm-hmm. Love of Horror, Sue's Science Corner was born in the Wolf in the Fold one. Jara kept coming in with all these academic behind the scenes looks and it just kind of meshed. That's right, because I had all those Robert Block references to make because mm-hmm. I'm a weirdo like that. I Our just want to take I'll a just second. Sing Ugg in unison. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Susan has had her name mispronounced all day long. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, no, it- Absolutely. I will. I can't say it's fine, but yeah. I just 
happen to know from previous podcasts that I believe it is teamy. Teamy. Yeah. Nice. Well, Susan, I hope that's correct. And I'm sorry your name has been mispronounced all day long. <laughs> if it's not, you made it a million times worse then. I definitely did. <laughs> I mean, I will say in terms of a practical thing, one thing I'm really glad we did at the beginning was um, discuss um, sort of like dividing some roles and responsibilities. And we also discussed how often we wanted to release because, um, you know, we've we've released biweekly now for six and a half years and we've never missed a, a date that we were publishing an episode. Um, but I cannot imagine if we had gone with weekly and like we were pretty clear at the beginning that like that seems like it could be a lot of work to try to do it weekly and I'm I'm really really glad we went with bi-weekly so that we could keep up the consistency and the quality of of the topics we were discussing and um yeah I think like taking some time to actually produce some episodes before you launch and getting a sense of how much work is involved is is important yeah, that's the number that's one piece of advice I give to anyone wanting to start a podcast. Have some buffer time and have some concept of what you want your future timeline to be. Have ideas planned out ahead of time, which all sounds really obvious now that I say it out loud, but... You'd be surprised. Don't, yeah, uh -huh. don't plan the night before and say, oh, what are we going to do? Have, yeah, have that stuff blocked out. Again, you will very early later. on when we, we would pick a topic and then we'd say, okay, when can people record? Well, what about this day? And, and it was always random when yeah. who was available when, never oh the same gosh. time. And I don't even know when, maybe a year or so in, we just decided that we picked a recurring day and time and that was recording time. And it went on everybody's calendar and it made everything better. <laughs> and it stayed there ever since. Well, yeah. sometimes we reschedule for certain things, I mean, yeah. but having that repeating event on your calendar with time dedicated to this thing means you're not going to skip it or you're not going to schedule something against it. And it just, it carving out the time, whether it's for recording or for editing or for researching is really necessary because until you get into it, you don't really understand how much time it takes to, right. to put a show together. And that's why it's especially impressive that you have six and a half years have not missed that window. That's really, really impressive. So kudos on that. It has come down to the wire <laughs> a couple times. Andy, would you like to actually do you yeah. Andy, as the main editor of this, the editor of this podcast, do you have any yeah. specific advice about editing for new podcasters? Uh, they should not learn from me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, first of all, like Jarrah was our editor for our mm. first couple years. Um, and I don't really remember why that switched. Um, and it, it the, the number one thing that I would say is find whatever editing software that you're going to use. Make sure you like it and understand it. Um, but I taught myself how to edit. And I still think that I probably am doing things wrong. So... I mean, there's there's resources out there and I have looked through them. But the main thing for me when I, like my go to like rules of editing are make sure the most important thing is clarity. You want to make sure. And that seems obvious, but like sometimes it comes down to should I keep this because it's funny, but it's hard to understand. And I always err on the side of clarity. Um, 
And so some some super funny stuff has come out of the podcast because of sound quality issues or somebody laughed too loud and it was lost uh, to lost to the winds of time. <laughs> so Kennedy is pointing to herself with that. <laughs> yeah, Kennedy is me. not the most difficult person to edit. I'll say that. Um, what? I am shocked. <laughs> I am shocked and quite pleased. Should I call that person out? I um, mean, well, I I'll call myself out because I know one time I I like this is probably what you're talking about because you're smiling. Uh, <laughs> one time early on when I had just joined, maybe um, I I, rec- I hit some switch in my freaking. Uh, it was the Darth Vader switch. Yeah, it was like the Wizard of Oz voice. <laughs> she sounded like the great and so, powerful Oz. Oh, yeah, no! my entire recording for that episode was like with this booming voice, blah, 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 like echoing. And poor Andy was like, well, got a really good laugh out of it. So I cried laughing. <laughs> but, I was like, Aliza, yeah. I cannot describe it. You have to listen to it. <laughs> A link point. You sounded now like in a supervillain. Vision. <laughs> but I have to say Why that if you have, why did we not have... lean into this? <laughs> I was going to say if you're if your hosts are in the same physical location, that will make things a million mm-hmm. times easier because we're all in different cities. Um, we do a way more complicated production than a lot of people who are able to record in the same location using you know maybe like two mics attached to the same computer um, and. Um, in addition, since we started, podcasting, I think, technologically has become a lot more accessible. And there's, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the shows involved in the festival this weekend are using Anchor. And there's, like, similar ser- uh, services like that that kind of, you know, build the whole thing together. And there's pros and cons to those. So advise, like, do your research, like, Google, you know, um, pros and cons to to using those services. But um, a lot of people find that they're a really easy way in. Fantastic. Such valuable, valuable advice. Um, I, I here's another really great question that came in. I want to build a more diverse slate of hosts and/or guests for my podcast. What do I need to do to ensure they're supported? Listen to them. Sorry, did I speak out of turn? No, <laughs> but no, take it. Probably, take it away. That's, that's probably it. Like, listen to people. Listen to yeah. people. If if you're looking to include no, experiences, if you're looking to exclude experiences that do not in any way reflect your own. The only way that you can even perceive those experiences is if you're open enough to listen to them. So a lot of that will involve deconditioning, right? If there's certain ideals, certain, uh, you know, staples that you've been raised with or have come to your own conclusions about that are contradictory to what somebody's experience inherently is, then you might have to do some work to, to, you know, unplug from the matrix as it were not to cross sci-fi wires but you know you might have to unplug for a second get over yourself and listen to them and and know that their their experience albeit completely different than yours is incredibly valuable for that exact reason i mean intersectional diversity and infinite combinations is going to do nothing but enrich your life so if you if you want to include more people one talk to more people like go out of your way to Include more people in conversations that don't look like you. They don't look like anybody in your present friend group. Um, and if you're, you know, brought if you're if you're presented with something that you've either never encountered before or uh, have difficulty grasping, then do the work. Do the work. 
do your research. Don't tax somebody else for labor to explain something to you because it might not be, you know, an easy feat for that individual. Um, and just listen and you'd be surprised. Part of listening is keep your mouth shut, though. A lot of people don't. I know that's hard in podcasting. Mm-hmm. You got to talk. But part of listening before you structure your show, before you cast your show, um, you got to you got to shut the F up and listen to people. That's, See that's how, the most important piece of advice right there, absolutely. knowing when to shut up. Well, people I, will tell you what they need. What you need to do is create a space in which they feel comfortable telling you what they need. Um, and then when they tell you, listen to them and give them what they need. And that sounds so simple, but it is hard for a lot of people. Um, so then you get what... I, I see happening a lot now where you, you see these calls for diversity and then the people come and then you treat them poorly and then they leave um, mm-hmm. because you didn't really want their voice. You just wanted to check a box or you just wanted their face there. Um, and that's an issue. That's an issue. Yeah. Absolutely. I think some people expect, you know, when you um, invite Um, you know, someone more diverse than your usual group, that all of a sudden, no one's going to question why your normal group is pretty homogenous. And it's like, oh, you know, here's my diversity shield kind of thing. And uh, no, like, um, that's, it's an ongoing process. And and inviting, you know, one diverse guest isn't going to be, it it can't be the end of the work. Um, But I also think it's important. One of the biggest things we encounter is people who are legitimately you know, uh, really have a lot of doubt, like, do I have anything valuable to say? And what if I sound terrible? I, you know, a lot of people have a hard time listening to their own voice, um, a lot of us included. um, Or, and they just think, well, you know, my opinion can't be the most valuable on this subject. Well, really, like, a lot of times, you know, not everyone, I will say, white guys don't always think of that as their first concern well you know it's like we hear this in politics too if you ask like a a man to run they'll be like yeah sure I can totally run for office and if if you ask um, a woman or a person of color to run that they have to think about it like three times as long because sometimes like they're at the stakes are actually higher but there's also more doubt built in yeah Um, so we have to like spend a lot of time um, reassuring people that like we really do want to hear you and we want to make a safe space by like moderating our, our comments and ensuring, you know, maybe having other guests on um, from other diverse communities so that it's not, you know, you and just like a room full of more professional podcasters or, you know, other things to make people realize that um, their voice is important. I think I think you hit on something there, Jara, too, which is you have to protect people. You can't just send them out there and then leave them yeah. out there. Like mm-hmm. there's going to be pushback no matter what when you're out there on the internet and you're having opinions, people are going to disagree with you. And a lot of people do not know how to disagree with you healthily. The only way they know how to do it is attacking you. Um, And so we have to be ready for those attacks and be ready to protect your people and make sure that they don't feel like they're just sitting out there alone, getting beat up on with no help or no backup. I also want to add if there's anybody watching the stream or watching it later who who has those feelings i want to do this podcast or i want to guest on this podcast but i'm not sure if i'll sound smart or i'm not sure if i'll do okay the people having you on 
want to make you sound as good as possible. Mm -hmm. They want to encourage you. So they're, or at least we, we're never going to edit you to make you sound unintelligent. Yeah, that does not serve us. Andy (laughs) does a great job Mm -hmm. of turning our word salad into coherent (laughs) sentences most of the time. Andy edits out so many tangents I go on. (laughs) If if you're invited on the show, it's because the hosts think you have something of value to add and they want to showcase that. So I know it's it's hard. Like we, we also talk very openly on Women at Warp about mental health and our own mental health. It can be hard to let go of some of those things. But know that like nobody's inviting you on their show to like expose you. That's not yeah. it's not a thing. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. no gotcha moment. This hopefully all of our guests come in with the confidence and comfort of a mediocre straight white man. <laughs> Yeah. And um, we do let people use pseudonyms because we respect that sometimes people are going to want to protect their privacy or need to protect their privacy for various reasons. And that's totally cool. If people just want to use their first name, some of us only use our first names. Um, For us, your voice is is more important than um, the, you know, what you're using um, as your, you know, your label on your identity. Yeah. Uh, And I want to just add one more layer to this, too. Um, one thing to be careful of when you're inviting anyone from a marginalized community to your podcast to guest is tokenizing them. And one way this happens really easily is if it's, this is an actual like example from a friend of mine who went through it and had to call out the people. Um, if you're inviting like a native or indigenous person to your podcast only to talk about native or indigenous issues or only during November or, you know, like uh, let us, let us express our interests and voices outside of just the lens of being, you know, the the torchbearers for our cause. Um, so that with our, I think with our podcast, it's easier because Star Trek, hello, we all have that in common that we're going to talk about. But it would be the same as if, on, if we only invited people of color to talk about people of color issues, um, or if we only invited LGBTQ people to talk about gay things. So just remember that everyone has like different viewpoints and sides to them and they don't need to just speak on their identity. They can talk about their interests, their expertise and a lot of other stuff. And I can tell you one practical way that we avoid this is when we ask guests to be on our show, we ask them what they want to talk about. So both Aliza and Kennedy went through this process when they were guests on our show way back in the day. I literally reached out to Kennedy and was like, hey, you're freaking cool. You should come hang out with us on our podcast. (laughs) And she did. Yes. And I was like, what do you want to talk about? And we like spitballed ideas. Mm -hmm. And she landed on wanting to talk about Klingon women, which is why Mm -hmm. there's a cat. There's a cat. cat. (laughs) But she's the one who chose to talk about Klingon women. You know, and when we reached out to Eliza the first time, we did reach out and um, we thought of her for Guinan because she was doing such a cool job doing her Guinan show. But if she wanted to do a totally other topic, that would have been fine with us, too. And it's a nice way to like all your guests, but especially your marginalized guests, just ask them what they want to talk about. Chances are they have a list of things that they are like, yes, cool. I want to talk about these things. And sometimes it will have to do with their community and sometimes it will not. Yeah. All right. So uh, another 
great question here is beyond producing the podcast itself, so shifting from the uh, actual content of the podcast, how do I create safe online spaces for listeners to interact? Comment policy. Uh-huh. have. That's very yes. genteel. I was just going to say punch Nazis in the face, but <laughs> I mean, virtually in not so many <laughs> words, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so curating the experience for them and not letting shitheads stay, right? Know, Is that the summary? Know which part? Uh, um, uh, know what, what your zero tolerance is for and enforce that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a comment policy from day one mm-hmm. on the website, on uh, Facebook, and even though there's nowhere to post it on Twitter, we applied the same thing to Twitter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it did not... Of course, because, you know, Women at Warp, a feminist Star Trek podcast, that word is in our title. So people are going to search for it and come be assholes. But after not very long of deleting comments and banning those users, that really died down. Mm -hmm. So it's not just setting the comment policy and expecting people to follow it. You have to enforce it and you have to enforce it every time the same way it does no good if you put out a comment policy for brownie points and then do nothing about it and let the bigots continue to to show up on your page and say hateful things to people and there are some examples i could give that i'm not gonna on a live stream (laughs) (laughs) because the thing is the people they are targeting will leave your group and you're just going to be like bigots exactly yeah, like I, I definitely know when I started out before this, I, w- I worked in social media and um, there was definitely an idea and I think there's some validity to it that like it's better for your community to like respectfully engage in some dialogue and to like push down the negative comments by posting positive things than it is for you to like come in with the ban hammer. But like, is that a, actually a fair thing to ask your community to do? And I mm. think over time, like more and more, I've just been like, no, like, people, companies should be taking responsibility. I I mean, we're a very, very small organization um, compared Mm -hmm. to some of the bigger organizations that could be doing a better job at this. But um, I I don't think that it's fair to ask our listeners to police our social media. And I I wouldn't blame people for leaving if, if we were allowing that kind of stuff to proliferate on our pages, not just for us, but like, it just doesn't make anyone feel good about commenting there. So hopefully people do feel good about commenting on our sites and um, we, we love hearing from folks there. And just a comment on blocking. We don't block for us. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, somewhat we block from, for us because these comments are boring and um, cliche, but we brought, we block for our community. So if we allow some person who has been making terrible comments to remain following us on our Twitter, they're going to respond to people who respond to us and they're going to get into the threads and they're going to be jerks and it's just going to be frustrating. So we just block them. We just block them. Uh, there's block and, party. It, yeah. For real. <laughs> and that's, it's, I, I understand why people are nervous to take that step, but like they're not bringing anything to your community. They're yeah. actively bringing it down. Get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Move I think on. In addition to handling the haters before it gets to be a thing, I think the other thing that's really important is 
to like lead by example in the, the tone you set in your social channels and on your website. And so we like we publish a lot of blog posts from from a lot of different backgrounds broader than our own, um, just sharing their experiences really candidly and how they relate to Star Trek. Um, we share inspiring quotes from women across the, the Star Trek universe on our social media. Um, and um, I think that it generally fosters more kind of meaningful, um, respectful engagement um, than if you're just kind of catering to the lowest common denominator. Mm -hmm. I do also really quickly want to add on the, the more yeah. technical side of this is we have sometimes been asked why we have a Facebook page instead of a Facebook group because groups can be made private. Um, groups are also a lot more difficult to moderate. So that's really the main reason. The Facebook page, everything is public and that can be seen as a positive or a negative, right? Because anybody who might be concerned about what they say getting them in trouble will maybe not say that thing on a public page. Of course, somebody else who might not want, I don't know, someone at work to know that they're writing things or, or have, have deep opinions about slash fic, right? Might not want to comment publicly. But we made the choice early on to go with a page for those moderation purposes so that we knew we could moderate uh, more easily with our, our crew of four at the time. But anybody who is concerned, we say, you know, the messages are open, the Twitter DMs are open, the email is open. If you want to reach us in any way, there are multiple ways, not just a public Facebook group. Great. Or Hi everybody, just gonna take a little break to talk to you a little bit about Text Expander. With Text Expander, you can get it right every time. Text Expander makes it easy to give your team the right words for every situation. Whether you need to keep your team happy or delight customers with effective answers, you can rest easy knowing that your team has it covered. Now with improved web app security to keep your content protected. It's like having a computer that makes you Captain Picard and you can just always say the right thing at the right time. This must be what it feels like to be articulate, honestly. <laughs> With Text Expander, there's so much you can do. You can keep your team consistent, accurate, and current. You can share text and images with the whole staff to keep them on track. Everyone will share the same message and give the same answers to all customer questions. You can work faster and smarter. It has been a game changer for me with doing transcription for the podcast. It really has been such a time saver. You can use Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations to streamline and speed up everything you type. And that that adds up like you wouldn't believe. I, it really is shocking. You can create powerful snippets to save you time so that all you type is short abbreviation and Text Expander does the rest of the typing for you. It's like it's beaming the words you want to use onto your document. I made it weird, didn't I? I love it. <laughs> Keep your whole team communicating efficiently with consistent language. Share your snippets of messaging signatures and descriptions with everyone who works on projects with you. And get this, Text Expander is available across the board on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, iPad. And show listeners get 20% off their first year. Visit textexpander.com forward slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. What is the biggest surprise you all have had about running and being a part of a feminist Star Trek podcast? It's really, really fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious because like 
something totally random happens in my life and I'll just like message the group on Slack and be like, this is a thing that happened. What the heck? Glad we dragged you kicking yeah. and screaming into it. <laughs> we do have an awesome group chat. And if you're wondering, yes, there are lots of cat pictures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most surreal oh, so moment many. for me was when someone recognized my voice at Dragon Con and asked me for a photo. Oh, that was like only like a year in at that point. And I was like, wow. what? Yeah. I had stop me outside of a SkyTrain in Vancouver. And this was before I was bald even. So I think I like it was harder to pick out of a crowd. But um, <laughs> yeah, that was random. Yeah, this I, when we were at um, Star Trek uh, Vegas, the 50th one, I had solidly three people be like, you're Andy from Women at Warp. And I was like, <laughs> when I was setting up our business and I, we used um, Zen Business, the customer service person turned out to be a listener. What? That's cool. It's, it is, it is real, and um, the closest it makes, I've ever was going to say, <laughs> my biggest surprise is that people actually listen to what we have to say, and like, <laughs> I mean, I guess I knew that was going to happen, um, but to have it actually like come in in other contexts where like somebody would recognize me and want to talk to me about something I said on the podcast, it's like, okay, that's weird. I don't know, understand why anybody cares what I have to say about anything, but cool. Because you're as valuable. <laughs> um, I, I haven't. Yeah. I haven't been recognized for women at say, warp yet. I've got is- oh, who said that? Go first. Was that you, Grace? Grace, that was you. That was you, Grace. Say the thing, Grace. Come to that is I've had a friend. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Well now I'm at, no well now I'm under pressure for to say it. So, <laughs> um, the closest I've come is a friend's Tinder date uh, listed our podcast as one of her favorites, and then my friend got to be like, "Hey, my Tinder date tried to recommend you to me, and I already know you in real life." <laughs> that's great. That's that is cool. Yeah, that's that's freaking cool. I-, I can't say that I've I've been recognized publicly for Women at War, but I think that's probably because I. What with uh, Elisa and Sarah here joined during the pandemic, so we weren't doing things. Um, but since joining, my follower count has jumped. Like people are like, "What? Let's go!" And I'm like, "Whoa, random person!" Well, um, it helps when Anson Mount like celebrates your promotion. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. One Listen. thing that I found really surprising, which actually kind of goes back to Anne Marie's comment about how you know I wasn't surprised that that people wanted to listen when we started because we we knew there was a gap that we were filling. One thing I was surprised about was when other women started making Star Trek podcasts mm-hmm. and people would like check with us if we were okay. Oh, and, that was um, so weird. and it was so weird because, you know, no one ever went to the first person to start a Star Trek podcast and be like, are you okay that other men are Star Trek podcasting? Oh, Cause this is like your turf or something. And um, we were going, no, this is, this is great. You know, when we like on our first network, there were like around 30 podcasts and there was us and then there was one other podcast that had one woman host and um so we're we're going like there is 
tons of room before there is saturation here. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I mean, this festival is is kind of a, a testament to um, mm -hmm. what happens when you think that like more diverse voices is better, not not you know thinking about protecting your turf. Absolutely. And if I'm, I'm if I'm remembering right, we had an issue early on where we had a bunch of people complaining. Well, all their voices sound the same because <laughs> they're all women on the show. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. So um, I think it was Andy who um, was articulating that, saying like, "Yeah, I've learned people have a really complicated relationship with women's voices." Mm -hmm. <laughs> that yeah. is the true. reason we all say hello at the beginning of every episode. That's it's true because mm -hmm. so many people were saying, "Well, I can't tell all these broads' voices apart." I had to tell Sarah that at one point because the first time she the first time she ran one, she did it the most easiest way, which is just Sue and Grace and Elisa are here, whoever it was on that podcast. And I was like, I just want to let you know that that's totally <laughs> fine. But the reason that we do that is we we got more than one complaint that nobody could tell who was who. All um, women voices are the same. Yep. <laughs> and I don't even think it's like malicious. I think that people, their brains are just trained mm -hmm. differently when it comes to women's voices. Um, and that's another thing. Like if you're asking about my editing things, one of my editing things is I never take out up talk. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. <laughs> like Good. when we transcribe too, I keep the, the transcriptions. I keep the up talk. I put in the question mark to indicate nice. the up talk. <laughs> and vocal quirks and you're gonna like it <laughs> i love it i love that and this this is great to hear from all sides of it because there there's absolutely weirdness about women's voices hearing them using them and i'm glad that i'm glad to be a part of a podcast where we just use our voices and celebrate them as they are Mm -hmm. um, uh, I wanted to add my surprising thing about being part of this podcast as a feminist Star Trek podcast. I was surprised at how gratifying it, it felt and feels to get to deep dive into topics with other women. Mm. And it's and not I mean, not because it's other women, but more so because it's a place where I can take all my crazy Star Trek ideas and there's like three to seven other women who will go on that dive with me. Like that is such a gift for me. And I get to almost be academic about bringing these ideas to you all and be like, do you want to discuss this with me? And then you all say, <laughs> yes. Sure, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I feel so good. So, so that's, that's something that's been really surprising, but also like really gratifying for me. It's I mean, also, we do get some flack saying we agree with each other too much. <laughs> you know, I, I think a lot about this, and I think people are used to disagreements being fights. Yeah, right. Because we don't mm -hmm. disagree all the time. We say, I didn't see it that way. Or right. this is my take. We don't say, you're wrong and here's why. Right, right. And I think There's people just don't know how to listen to... Uh, amicable disagreements mm -hmm. anymore. Respectful, yeah, respectfully. <laughs> yeah. We don't look for arguments. Yeah, right. There's there's plenty of things that you know we don't agree on um, as a collective, mm -hmm. but like Sue was saying, we're diplomatic about it. We have our fucking pips. Oh, sorry, we have our freaking pips. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. there's there's a way to engage with somebody with an opposing point of view without being destructive. Um, the other refreshing thing about being in a conversation about Star Trek, particularly without any men, um, is there is there is a certain thing about, they're trying to say that 
women sound the same. Like dudes have a timber to their voices that mm-hmm. is just physiologically going to be more resonant than most women's voices. And when you're having a conversation about something that perhaps not everybody agrees upon, it's a lot harder to like physically get your voice heard because these dudes have these like resounding baritone ass voices. And I say that as somebody who has a deeper voice as a woman, like there's plenty of times where I've had to go toe to toe with people. And it's just like, if you like stop talking for like (laughs) 2.5 seconds, (laughs) you would maybe Mm -hmm. see that one, I'm agreeing with you. And two, that you're being an ass for like not like listening. And And I think that's, that's part of the issue. Like people don't understand that you can have disagreements while listening to the person and leaving space for their point of view, even if it doesn't correspond with yours, especially if it doesn't correspond with yours without having to, you know, play, play double Dutch to get into Mm -hmm. the conversation. Mm -hmm. It's giveaway time. As we mentioned at the top of the podcast, we have five copies of the Star Trek Discovery Season 3 DVD set to give away with two hours of special features, including deleted scenes, behind-the-scenes featurettes, cast interviews, a gag reel, and of course, all 13 episodes. Here's how to enter. Send an email to crew, C-R-E-W, at womenatwarp.com with the subject line, Disco Season 3, and tell us your favorite quote from any Star Trek series. The deadline to enter is midnight Eastern time on Sunday, August 8th. That is only two weeks away from the release of this episode. The giveaway is limited to US residents only and winners will be chosen at random. These instructions will not be in our show notes. So here they are one more time. To enter, send an email to crew at womenatwarp.com with the subject line disco season three Tell us your favorite quote from any Star Trek series. Again, the deadline to enter is midnight Eastern time on Sunday, August 8th. And this giveaway is limited to U.S. residents only. And that's it. Back to the panel. I want to real quick uh, jump back to what Jarrah said about uh, people thinking that new podcasts would step on our toes and put my amateur historian hat on for just a split second. Ooh, do it. And say, like, Star Trek fandom has almost always been dominated by women. The letter rating campaign was dominated by women. The fanzines were dominated by women. Fanfic has been dominated by women. The the creation of conventions, not creation the company, but the (laughs) genesis of, of conventions was women. And really once we got to not even the online space, but specifically somehow the podcasting space, that changed. And I don't know if like a stereotypical technical technical barrier came into play there, but in my opinion, there is no reason that the Star Trek podcasting space should not also be dominated by women because this is a fandom that has always been led by women. And there's no reason for that to stop because it's on the internet. I think that part of it does play into that whole thing of a bunch of guys will just go, oh yeah, my, my opinion is worth hearing. I'm I'm entertaining just off the cuff and a lot of women and how not, chads. Yeah, a lot of how not huh? I have yeah. say how yeah. chad. How? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes if you ask somebody you, you you listen to a podcast and you realize, oh, this person's never asked themselves if they're actually entertaining or interesting to listen to talking. They're just assuming they are. 
by virtue of talking. Mm. And on one hand, that's the beauty of podcasts. Everybody has the potential to share their opinion. But the downside of that is that opinions truly are like buttholes and everyone's got them. And sometimes you have to... Most of them are dirty. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And sometimes you gotta... You definitely have to take the point of saying, okay, this is someone whose opinion is probably going to be more interesting to hear than mine right now. And another another point of where you have to learn to just shut up sometimes. Which, as I can very clearly attest to, is an issue for me. (laughs) (laughs) This kind of goes back to what we were talking about with guests, too. Some of our most fantastic guests I've had to woo. I've had to be like, no, 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 no. You really, no, please, please come on the podcast. Like, literally, like, over months. Just be like, no, your voice is so valuable because Mm -hmm. so many women just have been told that their voice is not valuable. And it's really hard for them to put their their voice out there because they're afraid of, you know, sounding not smart or they're afraid that people will be mean to them or judge them or whatever. Um, And some of them I I have successfully wooed and then their (laughs) podcast turned out to be the best ones. You know, they had the most valuable things to say. And um, I remember the first time we had somebody tweet us and they were like, are you okay with, with, with us starting a podcast and be like, not only are we okay with it, please let us know if you need help because we want as many as possible. Uh, like no dude has ever been like, Oh, maybe, maybe there are too many dude podcasts out there. Like, don't do Never. that to yourself. Don't limit it. more should. Yeah, don't feel like you have to have a PhD to talk about Star Trek. I have no qualifications to be here whatsoever. Other than I watch a lot of TV. But if you are passionate, <laughs> if you are passionate about Star Trek, if you care about it, that's going to come through when you talk. I'm about sorry. It. I'm sorry. I would like to respectfully disagree with you, Sarah. <laughs> judging, <laughs> judging by your background alone, which y'all don't understand, mm-hmm. is that's her guest room. That's not even yeah. the real yeah. shit. That's the backup shit. So I feel <laughs> just judging by the aesthetic alone that you are more than qualified. Stay in her house and you are afraid to sneeze for fear of ruining some price. <laughs> Can I also please say that that reminds me that once Sue and I got told that we needed to take some anthropology classes to talk about TOS. <laughs> Um, and wow. that made me laugh a lot. Wow. That's what? funny. What? That's so funny. Joke's on you. I have. Yeah, I have too. <laughs> I mean, everyone here has taught Star Trek to other people and led other people in Star Trekness. Um, but you don't even need to have that qualification to talk about Star Trek on a podcast. Like, legitimately, yeah. have you seen a episode of Star Trek? Cool. Talk about that episode of Star Trek. You're qualified. Congrats. Yeah, that's the other thing is, is you know, the feeling like you have to be a completionist. Like, you have to have mm-hmm. seen all the things. And you have to not not only love, but respect the original series. Is like, comes up oh, uh, a, yeah. a lot. And we're, we're pretty open in our podcast about, like, not, not all Star Trek's for everybody. And that's, mm-hmm. it's totally cool. Don't force yourself to watch it because of some idea of, like, what it means to be a real Trekkie watch the parts that you like or that you can stand 
and then come talk about it with us. We think there's so much to love in there, but it's not going to be the same for everyone. Yeah, just because we're completionist nerds doesn't mean you have to be. <laughs> like, some of you are. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. I still haven't finished DS9, Voyager, Discovery, yeah. Picard. Well, I mean, in your defense. I haven't defense, seen a single episode of Enterprise. Oh. In yeah. your defense, <laughs> 50, year, 50 plus years of content is a lot. Mm-hmm. Right? Some of That's a lot. A start andy it's okay <laughs> some of it what wait what did you say some of us had a very big head start mm-hmm. yeah. oh right 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 <laughs> yeah i haven't finished um deep space nine or voyager and i you know what's funny i definitely could have finished them by now obviously but i've been savoring them mm-hmm. oh yeah I haven't wanted to finish them because then there's going to be no more episodes, new episodes. But you can, but but here's the beautiful part about being a Star Trek fan in the 21st century here and now is that we have surpassed the great drought. Okay, mm-hmm. that chunk of time between 2005 and um, well, if we're talking about series 2017 with Disco, and even if you want to include the Kelvin films, that's still four years of yeah. of not having trek and just being like i guess i'll watch andromeda then and <laughs> and hope <laughs> hope that you'll get by um so the beauty part about about having streaming platforms that that have deep space nine and voyager and all the other series is on them the time you enjoy a thing you can always yeah. go back there's times where i'll be like oh i'm doing research for a show let me watch this particular episode because yes. it's you know relevant and then i'm like well three hours later here i am <laughs> To the next the season next yeah. started to play oh i've done that so many times <laughs> and and you know you can always go back you can always start over you can always mm-hmm. um pick a lens that's my favorite part about rewatching yeah. is picking a lens and starting over and watching it again um if you're looking at at trek for the first time through a womanist or feminist no. intersectional perspective you're going to be like this is a completely different show if you're looking mm-hmm. at Star Trek, one of my favorite things about being in twitter trek discourse now is how gay people are about it people are like i love how queer star trek is and at first i was like is it but then i like went back and watched through that lens i was like yo this show gay as hell let's go <laughs> let's go based on that Oh yes, uh, I want to know from from the other hosts if there was a time that one of your co-hosts blew your mind with a take you hadn't thought of. And ooh. I will go first <laughs> because Andy blew my mind with the inner light. Mm-hmm. I was gonna bring that up when we were talking about disagreeing um, yeah. respectfully because I was like, or possibly it's just because. We listen to each other and go, oh, my God, you might be right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're easily swayed. <laughs> yeah, I had I had never considered the like the weird consent issues and the gaslighting and the inner light until mm. Andy talked about it. So I want to know if anybody else has had that moment. Um, uh, I will say that the f- I mean, I've had several moments like this, but the first time I, I felt this with the show was probably the next generation's inaugural launch me sarah and elisa when sarah said that she resonated with molly o'brien the most because it was seeing herself in trek and i was just like oh you know what i mean like that 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 was just like i don't know i mean obviously we watched molly be born right we watched molly's almost entire life 
And it was just like, oh, cool. Here's the O'Brien kid, like somehow surviving the shenanigans her parents got her into, you know? But it didn't occur to me, because <laughs> that's a lot, you know? But it didn't occur to me to be like, wow, this is incredibly impactful for people from two different types of backgrounds and seeing themselves in the future in this capacity um, is, is just as important as, as anything else. And I was, I was stuck. Like if you go back and listen to that episode, like 20 minutes later, I'm like, Oh my God, Molly, you know, so <laughs> that was, that was probably that. the first one for me. You know, Grace came over to my house this one time after we spent a whole day at a con and we put on Deep Space Nine and I'm blanking on what episode it is where Bashir and Garrick meet for the first time. It's the third like, episode of the series. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, was this game? And Grace is like, yeah, yeah, it was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You just got to oh, know where God. to look. <laughs> I derailed us. I'm sorry. No, no I mean, it's, okay, it's just hard to cut question. out with an example because it happens I know, yeah. all the time. And with our guests, too, um, you know, we have, um, I will say that um, one of the things that, um, I, I think has worked well, um, but just kind of evolved organically was um, that we've had several times when we've had someone um, comment on an episode on Twitter, just say afterwards and say, you know, hey, um, my perspective wasn't included in that discussion, you know, as a person from X background, here's what I thought was really missing. And then, um, you know, I think Andy was definitely the one who first suggested like, cool, let's invite them to be a guest. And, um, and, you know, I, I like to collect people. Okay. Yeah. We've had, <laughs> and it, we've had several guests who, who have come to our show that way. And inevitably those have been really good episodes. And I think, you know, it's uh, a lot of times, you know, we can't possibly represent every single viewpoint in every episode, but um, a lot of times, um, you know, people are, are coming with really valid things that we just didn't consider. And uh, then we're able to include them in something else. And that's really cool. We also oh, do that I with blog posts where we're like, would you like to write a blog post about that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because Great. honestly, we would like to represent as many <laughs> opinions and backgrounds as we possibly could. That's why we started doing this, because we wanted to do that. <laughs> I think that's also like partially, not partially, but that's a huge, also par another part of cultivating a safe space for both the audience and the guests by saying this is our discussion space together and inviting people into that to contribute to it is really, it's really great. And don't get defensive. Mm -hmm. That's, That's the, the hardest thing about it is like, yeah. sometimes people can come at you and they're not super diplomatic about it, but like, do they have a valid point? And if so, how can you address it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I have one more question here. And then uh, if the audience has any other questions, put them in the chat now or forever, hold your peace. Uh, my last question here is, what do you see as Women at Warp's biggest successes and biggest missteps? Uh, the biggest misstep for, for me and the biggest regret I have for the beginning of our show is that we all ended up being white women. So for the first yeah. however many years that was, it was, and we, we tried to balance, and we were aware of it, and we tried to balance it with guests. But the fact remains is that we started a, po a podcast to talk about women's issues and we were four white women. And that just happened to be just because like when I when I started talking about the genesis of, of Women at Warp, it literally was is because I could name three women it, that I knew podcasted and they happened to all be white. 
but it does mean that like the the longer it went and the longer we went into yeah. our show, the more it became an issue. And we talked about it for years, literally years where like we should add more hosts and we would spitball ideas and then, you know, it would just get away from us and we kept kind of kicking it down the road because I mean, you three were involved when we when we did that. It was a lot of work and and, you know, but so we just kept pushing it. And then finally, we were just like, we can't push this anymore. We we need to fix this issue. It's a recurring issue. And um, we did. And it made our show so much better. And I feel like we should have done it years ago. And that that to me is easily our biggest mistake we ever made. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I don't even know if I would call that a mistake because it because like you you explained it right like the you collected the people that you had access to at the time right the three of us were doing our own things like we didn't know you all up until relatively recently in your run like I don't know if I would call that a mistake I think it would have been a mistake had there not been an adjustment. You know, yeah, I, yeah, think, exactly I think that's exactly what I'm thinking yeah. too. We still I feel bad we've done it, it earlier, though. I guess. Um, it because was a learning experience. Yeah. And I think the podcast landscape has changed a lot, even in just since we've been doing it, because this festival is a good example of that. Like, we could not have done this six and a half years ago. We couldn't have done it. I, I'm mm -hmm. telling you right now, like, there were just not as uh, the the depth of the different podcasting perspectives were just not there. But I feel like we could have done it maybe by our second year. I mean, we mm -hmm. had we had black women guests by the second year. So I, I feel like it was an honest mistake and our but our the misstep that we made was not fixing it earlier. Cause we could have and it just just kept because I mean we do this, we do this this is not our job, you know, like this is something that we do as a hobby, and so it's easy to be like well, well, we'll talk about it later. We'll work on that later. Mm -hmm. And it just kept happening. Um, and then we finally sat down and we're like, let's fix this. And it made our show so much better. And I'm really glad that we did that. And I'm really happy mm -hmm. that you ladies are here now. And mm -hmm. yeah, so that's that's the one that I think of. Mm -hmm. um, I, I will say this. Uh, kicking the can down the road is a thing that happens. I've, I've been a part of other spaces that just kind of drag their feet and bring in and some still literally have not done it years and years and years later after getting lots of feedback that they need to. And so kicking the can down the road is a is a thing that I think is shared by white spaces that are faced now with, with having to think about these things. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not excusing it at all. And I'm glad that you take responsibility for it, Andy. Thank you for that. Um, mm -hmm. But I also will say it is really good that when you did it, you were ready for us. You, as Kennedy said, you listened to us, you brought us in and you didn't say, here's how we do things. You said, here's how we do things. What do you think? Do you think we should change this? Should we do this as well? Blah, blah, blah. And you welcomed our ideas as well. So for any other um, all white or mostly white groups of people that are thinking about bringing people in, one way to not be shitheads when you do it is to be ready for them, be ready to listen. Just, it all goes back to that listening thing. Because honestly, there are some spaces that have uh, wanted to bring me in 
And I just notice in the way they talk about certain things and how they talk about it is that I'm just going to be a token for them. I'm just checking off the box. They're not ready for me. They're not ready for other people of color. And if I include myself there, I'm signaling to other people of color and other women of color that it's safe when it's not. And so you got to make sure you have a safe space, a safe landing pad for these people to Mm -hmm. come in. Mm -hmm. And also launch properly. Like my my favorite thing about all of that and probably why I'm so forgiving about it is because you all like announced us in such a warm, receptive, loving, celebratory way that whatever animosity somebody might have had is like, well, shit, I got a press release. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know no, what I mean? Like, like, is you, got, you got a little cartoon version yeah, of yourself yeah <laughs> i'll never forget when we got the new the new version of our banner how excited everyone was and it's so good and so cute and i i love that we were able to bring the original artist back to to do our new art and that art is better the art is better uh-huh. like everything mm-hmm. about it is better yeah. it, was, it was five years later so <laughs> you know everybody improved and we had right, we also right. had a budget i mean that that artist i'll i'll shout her out uh bethany, bethany is Andy's friend. And she did the first time when we first launched, she did our art for free. Mm-hmm. And when we came back to her this time and wanted it updated, we said, we are going to pay you. Not mm-hmm. we would like to pay you, not can we pay you. We are going to pay you. <laughs> Make my money. Yeah, and- that's what I would say would be another success um, or thing I'm proud of is, is not just the art, but, you know, and I know, you know, we don't, you know, pay like a living wage to bloggers. Um, you know, people pay, you know, contribute to our blog occasionally. Um, people do volunteer to do our transcripts, but we do pay honoraria. Um, and um, we don't uh, generally, you know, we try not to um, ask uh, people to um, write for us or to transcribe our episodes um, for free. Um, when we do collect money from Patreon, we we want to add value back to our listeners and make our show more accessible and inclusive and um, not not just be using it to develop the show. That's part of it. But we have kind of a broader mission. Wonderful. And that sounds like, to me, a big success. So with that, I, I'm going to say thank you all for listening. Thank you all, my co-hosts, for being here. Uh, to learn more about our show or to contact us, visit womenatwarp.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Women at Warp. You can also go ahead and email us at crew at womenatwarp.com. And for more Roddenberry podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com. And we'll be back tomorrow for day two of this podcast, Idic Podcast Festival. Uh, if you're listening after the fact, there's lots more to find and listen to. So check us out. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.